Today's gospel lesson is such a strange, sad, sad story. In no way, shape, or form does it look like good news. Nope. On the one hand, it is so indecent and outrageous that it could easily find its way into the plot of a, of a TV soap opera or a show like Game of Thrones. But on the other hand, there is also something so pathetic about John's death. It is not so much a tragic death as it is a farce. This morning, we learn that this great prophet of God is murdered on a whim because of a vain and conceited boast. We begin with a flashback. Mark is telling us about events that have already happened because people have started to, to wonder and talk out loud about who Jesus is in response to the kingdom work and the missionary journey of the disciples. While some people speculate that Jesus is Elijah or a return of another one of the old prophets, others are claiming that Jesus is John the Baptist himself returned from the dead. And this is what the puppet King Herod believes, because he himself had John put to death. Herod's guilt and fear is thus laid bare. And indeed, Herod has a reason to feel guilty, because he had John executed for a ridiculous reason. As we've been told, Herod had John arrested because John had been critical of Herod's marriage. Herod had married his brother's wife, Herodias, and John condemns this marriage as unlawful. Oddly enough, while Herod sees John as a threat, he also takes a bit of a shine to John. Because though Herod finds what John has to say confusing, Herod also likes to hear John speak. But Herodias looks to silence John permanently. And that opportunity arises at the celebration of Herod's birthday. Herod is so enamored by the dancing of his stepdaughter that he promises her anything, even up to half his kingdom. And with that, John's fate is sealed. At the prompting of her mother, the young girl demands John's head on a platter. And though seemingly troubled by the decision, Herod cannot lose face in front of his court and thus orders John's beheading. John's head is presented at the banquet to the girl. Later, John's disciples will come and recover John's body and place it in a tomb. Now, the, the Gospels are not the only account we have of John's execution at the hands of Herod in the ancient world. The first century Jewish historian Josephus also gives an account of John's execution. But as Josephus tells it, Herod had John arrested and executed because he believed that John was fostering unrest and rebellion. In Josephus' telling, 
The power politics of it all is just laid bare. John was a threat to Herod and his rule, and thus Herod has John snuffed out. In this way, Josephus' version is much more straightforward. But what both accounts lay bare is the politics of the situation. And what Mark's gospel shows us is just how pitiful Herod is. Herod claims this title of king, and yet he has no control over himself or his subjects. Herod is not free, and therefore not really in power. Rather, he is a slave to his own emotions and desires, as much as he is a slave to his office. Look at the, the range of emotions that motivates John's behavior that we get in the span of this very, very short story. Herod wildly swings from superstitious worry to awe and fascination and confusion. He is so taken by his stepdaughter that he makes a a nonsensical promise and then becomes deeply distraught when he has to act on it. And moreover, though Herod can make claims of being in control and literally has the power to take another person's life on a whim, he is actually a subject to his subjects. He cannot refuse his stepdaughter's request because of his oath and because his guests will see his refusal to kill John as weakness. In this shameful story, Mark wants to show us something about the way the world works. Here we are given a picture into the nature of so much of the world's politics and power dynamics. We see capricious cruelty and we see dehumanizing manipulation. Herod's court is a place where where human dignity seems to be violated at every turn. From the poor girl having to, to dance for the banquet to John, whose life is taken away as a trifle. Games are being played at every level, and all must pay, though the most vulnerable are asked to pay the most. Now, admittedly, Herod's court is a, is a skewed view of our world's politics. This is not the whole picture by any stretch. And yet here, we are given a view that, that captures so much of the history of human societies. And as much as the story of John's death is a farce, it is also a farce that is meant to, to open our eyes and to wake us up to see the world for what it is. But more than just waking us up, the gospel is asking us to contrast the vision of politics embodied in Herod's court with a view of the kingdom of God that that Jesus and his ministry embody and enact. Before Mark tells us about John's death, at the hands of Herod, we are told about the disciples 
being sent out in pairs to proclaim the good news and to cast out demons and to anoint and heal the sick. And after we have been told about this horrific banquet where a human being is literally served up on a platter, we will be told of the feeding of the 5,000 where God's abundance is laid bare and revealed and all who are there have more than enough. If Herod's court reveals to us something about the world's politics, then we must contrast those politics with the way revealed by Jesus and his mission. Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God and calls on his followers to embrace God's way in rejection of Herod's. Jesus calls us to be people who look to seek and serve Christ and all people and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus calls us to respect the dignity of every human being. Jesus calls us to work for justice and peace. Jesus calls us to live into God's kingdom and to reveal that kingdom with our words and our actions. While most of the power dynamics that are in play in our world are are not quite as absurd as the events surrounding John's death, we can see the dehumanizing, destructive, and oppressive politics in the world all around us. We see it in the struggles for criminal justice reform. We see it in the attempts to dismantle white supremacy woven into every system and facet of our lives. We see it in the, in the new limitations on voting right access and the attacks that are happening against democracy and representative government. We see it in the, the myopic and, and criminal inaction around climate change. The world is literally burning up around us And the powers that be are content to see it burn for the sake of profit and power. Another way has to be lived into. Another way has to be embodied. Another way has to be embraced. And yet, let's admit that in the face of the world's politics, things can appear hopeless. I mean, look at the the story of John's death. For as we see, John's life seems to end on a meaningless note with John's disciples placing his body in a tomb. Herod, in his power of death, seems to win. If we look at John's death in isolation, then I agree we have cause to despair. Bearing witness to the kingdom of God in the face of such cruelty just might seem pointless. But but if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, then Mark is asking us to see the parallels between Jesus and John. Some in this lesson even think that Jesus is John, returned from the dead. 
And just as John was laid in a tomb, we know that Jesus will be laid in a tomb. We know that Jesus also will be killed in the name of the world's politics. But we we gather here this morning to proclaim that Jesus is risen, and that death no longer has dominion over him. And moreover, we proclaim that John's death, and indeed all of our lives and deaths, must be seen in the light of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Out of Jesus' death comes new life, and thus out of John's life and witness and even death, new life will emerge as well. While this gospel lesson reveals to us the power of tyrants and the forces of politics, we also catch a glimpse, just a glimpse, of the kingdom of God. And maybe, just maybe, even a foreshadowing the power of the resurrection Here in the, in the futility and the meaninglessness of John's death, we are given cause to hope, even here. For in the resurrection of Jesus, we proclaim that God and God's way of love is and will ever be triumphant. Amen.